This is Financially Tuned with Michael Mansfield from The Lind Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With over 12 years of experience in the financial industry, Michael provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Now listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Michael Mansfield to help you find out how to be Financially Tuned. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Financially Tuned Radio. I'm your host, Mike Mansfield with the Lind Group, located right here smack dab in the middle of Ventura, California. As always, got my good friend, my co-host here, Tony Shore. Tony, thanks for joining us. We got a good show today, my friend. We're going to be talking about some exciting stuff, but how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing Good. great. I've had a crazy week. Uh, just looking forward to this weekend and doing the show with you. I've been looking forward to it all week because I've been dealing with just uh, some craziness, you know, busy. Yikes. Not well, enough time. Not enough time in the day, Mike. Well, you know well, how it is. Hopefully, hopefully the dust is settling and things move on. Yeah, exactly. It always does. And I, the show, it's always a good day here on the show. <laughs> Ain't that a fact. Nah, I like doing this with you. This is fun oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you always have some interesting topics for us. Uh, how have you been, though? Have you been meeting with folks at the Lind Group and uh, helping your clients out? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of what drives topics, it seems, lately. You know, I had someone call in from the radio show last week um, and bringing up home equity line to credit question. And then it was funny because I had someone new come into my office this week, too, that asked pretty much the exact same question. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. These things are creeping up in people's minds. Let's take a few minutes and talk about it. Yeah, maybe we should be uh, addressing that issue. So um, let's dig into that. So somebody had, let's uh, deal with that first one. Somebody had a question about home equity. What do you mean? Well, well, what they were asking about were HELOCs. Do you know what a HELOC is, Tony? Uh, a home equity loan something? Yeah, home equity line of credit. Line of credit, that's right, yes. So think of it as that, is it's a secured credit card basically against your house. You know, it's a it's a line of credit that you can typically draw down on for. They, they normally give you a time period. I think typically it's like 10 years you can access it and pay it down and access it and pay it down before maybe you'd have to reapply for it. Um. But, you know, there's a lot to talk about with those things because the tax law has changed. The rules have changed. But also people's psyche, Tony, is changing. I thought that that was perhaps what's interesting about the question is hearing this question twice in a a week reinforces how people are starting to feel about stuff. You know, whether it's the stock market's up or, you know, the economy's approving, whatever the thing is, there's a little more confidence out there from where things were certainly a handful of years ago. And so I started just kind of, you know, using the power of Google, looking up home equity loan information. And it was interesting that I came across that this year, 2018, TransUnion expects 1.6 million home equity line of credits to be originated this year. That's twice wow. as many as there were in 2013. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. So Is a that lot a of people. good thing or a bad thing, though? Well, you, you know, you look at it in a lot of different ways, right? It depends what, what angle of the prism you're, you're going through. You know, from one angle, you say, hey, that's a good thing. That means that people are confident, they're happy, 
Um, things are going well, work's going well, people are making money, they're feeling good about their investments, whatever the thing is, is there's a positive energy in the economy. But then you can kind of be the naysayer and say, well, wait a second, you know, these types of attitudes perhaps are what got us into trouble last time. Right. right. That's what I was thinking when you said there's all these <laughs> home equity loans now. It's like, wait a minute, we're not headed for another big housing bubble and then a burst, are we? Yeah. Well, I think more often than not, when people look at home equity lines of credit and things like that, it's it's not necessarily to deal with problems. You know, some people do. They take it to consolidate debt or, or deal with um, a student loan or something they have for their children. But I think more often than not, this is people, you know, feeling a little overzealous. Maybe it's time to remodel the home and get some new cars and get some new teeth. I mean, I don't know, but new teeth. I don't know. That's an expensive thing when you get into it. These, these kids today, <laughs> with their video games and their, and their new teeth and their fancy teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, things are changing. So basically in the last five years, people are getting more confident. And to be fair, the housing market has changed significantly too. Remember, you go back five years ago, Tony, there were a lot of houses still at, you know, um, value low points. People were underwater, you know, so there wasn't even the flexibility to be getting these lines of credit. But now since the, the housing market hasn't advanced so much in five years, there's a lot of people in this world that are kind of house rich, equity rich. You know, they've, they've got 50% equity in their homes. And so now it's easier to go access it. So there's a lot of things that are evolving in that respect where these are more obtainable. But like you said, Tony, buyer beware, right? This is how we kind of got into a little bit of trouble last time. Yeah. And yeah, buyer are, beware. And things are different this time too. I mean, if you had to, if you had to bring out one caveat difference from 2008 to now, in 2008, interest rates were, they were a little higher, absolutely, but they were also kind of on the downtrend. They interest were. Interest rates now are on the uptrend. So yeah. more often than not, prior to 08 and a long time ago, you'd get a variable rate home equity line of credit, and perhaps over time it would actually get less expensive as interest rates were going down and that variable rate adjusted. Well, you know, I think that that, uh, that cruise ship has sailed, my friends. Yeah. And now interest rates are on the uptick. So now you lock in, you get your home equity line of credit, you get your payments, you figure it all out, and then you find out, you know, next year, boom, your payment goes up because interest rates are moving up. So this is where we got to be very conscious. Now, granted, it's interesting because we see the evolution of debt instruments. And, you know, what happens is, is when there's a problem with debt stuff, all of a sudden it's harder to qualify You've got to have the best credit and the best ratios and all the stuff. And as things improve and people mellow out, to say the least, <laughs> the, the, the qualification process also mellows out. And so what's happened even in the first quarter of this year, it has gotten slightly easier to qualify for a home equity line of credit. The lenders are loosening up their standards. They're letting the, the credit scores be a little more mellow. We've heard this game before, right, Tony? Haven't we heard this before? Yes. You know, in the good old days. Heard it all before. Yeah, but the good news is, is you know, 2007 was so long ago, no one remembers, so we don't have to worry about it because it, it's like well, it didn't exist. Well, that's the problem, though. That's not a solution. That's part of the problem is <laughs> nobody remembers how we got ourselves into that trouble, and it ended up being called the Great Recession. 2008 hey, you, was a If you, if you can't see it, it can't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> the old head in the sand ploy. That's not Absolutely. the advice you give your Let's clients, play ostrich. So, Mike. 
The um, so in any case, you know, as you look at kind of the basics of getting a home equity line of credit, there's still the basic things that we're looking for. Uh, lenders are really big on the whole, um, you know, debt to income ratios kind of thing. And so the high side of a debt to income ratio is probably somewhere around 43 or 45%, meaning if you make, I don't know, $10,000 a month, you can't have more than $4,500 a month going towards paying for all of your debt obligations. So those are kind of the basic ratios that they use to make sure that people have enough money to pay their taxes, pay their bills, pay their debts, and get through life. Yeah. But still, you know, we want to be very conscious. I hate debt. Debt-free, you know, it's just a noose around your neck. You got to be really careful with it, especially with rising interest rates especially if we get away from home equity line of credit stuff and we start talking about like credit cards and things like that, where people walk in all the time with 25% interest rate credit cards. It's, I mean, it's just makes you sick. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's no good. Uh, we got to get out of debt. You're right. Avoid credit card Woo-hoo. debt. Right. And um, so are you saying though, back to the home equity loan? So yeah. our home equity loans, like if somebody came to you, uh, would you advise it or advise against it? Well, that's a great question, Tony. And and I think the way it works is it's almost like a reverse mortgage or any kind of investment. It is a case-by-case scenario. Sometimes the only tool that people have is their property. And in that scenario, you have to weigh all of the risks. See, I've always felt that there's no perfect investment. There's no perfect channel. But there's good and bad reasons to do stuff. And so what we want to do is be like little kid grade school, draw our little T chart and say, here's all the reasons we should do this. And here's all the reasons why this could be a problem. What makes the most sense to us? And that's how you then approach a good objective decision. So home equity on a credit, you know, <clears throat> I guess if you were taking it out to pay off a bunch of 25% credit cards, you know, that are variable rate credit cards and your home equity line of credit is, I don't know, three, four, five, 7%, whatever the number is, then there's a leverage issue with your money that you could evaluate. So I think the answer to Tony is who knows it is case by case. If you just want to take out a line of credit because you want to go be Mr. Fancy pants and, and redo the house and get trapertine floors and make sure your friends know you have a nice car, then I think you're crazy (laughs) to put it bluntly. Yeah. Look, there's, there's necessary evils to everything. If we have to do something <clears throat> to help right the ship, then by all means. But we don't just get giddy and trigger happy about taking on debt obligations for our emotional wants. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, this stuff falls into the need department, my friend. Yeah, there you go. Uh, now, I would assume it does. You also have to remember the laws changed. Last December, the government created a new bunch of tax laws. And the benefits of home equity lines of credits have changed. See, in the good old days, the rationale I would hear from people is, well, Mike, I can write off the interest. And you say, okay, good. That that solved all your problems. You can't do that anymore. So with a home equity line of credit, the only way the interest is tax deductible is if the money is specifically used for renovations on the property. So, you know. Now, if you're going to renovate, then you can write it off. So that's one component of it. But for most people where they're taking it to consolidate debt or they're taking it to do something else or go on the Disney cruise dream vacation or something, you can't write off that interest. And the other thing, too, is there's a limitation now. Uh, In the old days, you used to be able to write off interest on a million dollar mortgage and then interest on a hundred thousand dollar home equity line of credit. So you had this like one point one number. The numbers dropped. 
So it's now you can't write off interest totaling anything above $750,000 worth of obligations. So there's kind of two tiers of limitations that don't run out and get a HELOC just because you think you can write it off. And this was your genius way for doing that. And, you know, one of those things being, I think, mainly debt consolidation. Yeah. And a lot of us tread. Yeah. A lot of us find ourselves in situations where we might need that debt consolidation, but you have to look at all the different strategies and long term where that's going to put you uh, as far as your retirement and your overall financial picture. And I know Mike, that's one thing you look carefully at to make sure your clients are making the best decisions and our listeners as well. So we have to take a quick break here. Is there anything you want to add before the break? Oftentimes when you're dealing with different things in your life, whether that's debt, whether that's purchasing cars, whether that's, you know, just cash flow needs in general, this is all a puzzle. You know, Tony and I are always here on the radio talking about the puzzle pieces. And so if you're having trouble with your puzzle and you don't understand the pieces, Give me a call, 805-500-7035. This is what I do all day long. My goal is to look at your puzzle pieces and present you with a number of new scenarios to help you make effective decisions. Don't make emotional decisions. Make effective ones based on facts, scenarios, information. Give me a call, 805-500-7035. We'll be right back after this. Retirement can be both exciting and intimidating. At the Lynn Group, We have found many people fail to truly maximize some of the benefits offered to them, primarily Social Security. Since deciding when to file for your benefit is so important, our firm has assembled an informational packet on Social Security. If you'd like a complimentary copy, call our office at 805-500-7035 or visit us at thelingroup.com to learn more. And now back to Financially Tuned with Mike Mansfield. And welcome back to Financially Tuned with our host, Mike Mansfield of The Lind Group, and myself, your co-host, Tony Shore. And Michael, great show today, talking about, in that first segment, home equity loans. And right. uh, what did you call them? He- HELOCs? HELOCs. And I, when you first said HELOCs, oh, yeah. I thought you- that was a character from Lord of the Rings, one of the evil Raw. creatures, the HELOCs. Um well- <laughs> well, the hiccup, Tony, we have is you're you're interchanging uh, terms and products and things. So there is a home equity loan. We started our home our conversation on a home equity line of credit. A line of credit, I see. Right. Yes. You know, and so so, but that brings up a good point, Tony. So I appreciate you even reinforcing that. Yeah. What's the that. difference? And that is there are differences. There are different ways to do this. You know, we just spent the first segment talking about you know be careful. You go take out this line of credit. It's probably a variable rate. Interest rates are going up. This could hammer you. You got to be conscious about that. Well, there's some other scenarios to consider. You know, one is a home equity loan and and perhaps one is even the idea of a traditional refinance. The benefit of a home equity loan is that's considered, you know, I guess in slang term, a second mortgage on your home. But the difference is you take out a one-time loan. So instead of a line of credit where you have the line of credit, you can use it when you want, you can pay it back, you can use it again, it's got a variable rate. A home equity loan is a one-time loan, but the benefit is you can structure it, Tony, on a fixed rate. Mm. So going back to retirement planning, income planning, all planning in life, there is a fundamental difference between a variable rate and a fixed rate, especially in a rising interest rate environment. Everybody can always get you with the teaser rate. Oh, hey, man, look how cheap this is right now. 
But what happens in two years, three years, five years, seven years, 10 years? A fixed rate loan, I can tell you what happens. Nothing. It's the same thing every year. Whereas that variable rate could throw you a curveball. And if you have income challenges at that point, things get tight. So a fixed rate loan is very nice. Now, granted, you only got one chance to do it. You can take out a one-time loan kind of deal, whereas the line of credit gives you some flexibility on that. So you'd really want to know the purpose of why you were doing this, where you wanted the money earmarked for, how much you needed kind of a thing. Otherwise, you know, the, the more perhaps even more complicated with fees and hassles and everything is you could literally just go refinance your house. Now it's Mm. funny because we're going through an interest rate cycle, Tony, right? Interest rates are going down and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, I can get a house for 4%. And now they're starting to creep up. Yeah. And yeah, God, what a, what a, what a psychology game that is for people. Mm. You know, it's funny. I remember I had a loan at, you know, one time I remember when I had one at five and a half percent and then I refinanced it at four and a half percent and then I refinanced it at three and a half percent. And every time I was like, woohoo, I'm a superhero. And, and then it, <laughs> and then it goes up, you know, and, and someone walks in my office and like, oh yeah, I don't know if I want to buy a house. You know, they the, the rates are up, they're up at four and a quarter. And I'm thinking four and a quarter, man, I thought it was a smoking deal at five and a half. Um, it's incredible how when the rates are moving down, it's a good deal no matter what it is. But if rates are going up, that good deal a couple of years ago is no longer considered a good deal, even though mortgage interest rate loans are historically low. I mean, you go back to like the year I was born, 1981, a mortgage loan was like 12 or 14%. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It was up even earlier than that. Uh, you go back a few more years, it might have been at like 17%. Yeah, yeah. no, I've Crazy. heard those stories. Heard yeah. them around the fire at night. <laughs> <laughs> Told by your great-grandpap. Yes. Incredible. Yeah, so, well, you know, and it just goes to show this isn't your this isn't your parents or your grandparents' financial <laughs> planning anymore. It, things change. Yeah. Uh, but we can learn from hi- our historic mistakes <clears throat> for sure. And then look ahead, okay, where are we at right now? And interest rates are creeping back up. And, you know, they're saying, you know, the market has rode record highs in 2017. We started to see some more volatility in 2018. Mm-hmm. When's that other shoe going to drop? The housing market is booming again. Uh, you know, it, it all leads me to worry about where we're headed, right? Uh, you know, that's a good point, Tony. <clears throat> and I think perhaps even a different point before I go down on that that tangent there is I don't do loans. I don't sell mortgages. I don't refi things. I have no skin in this game. But le- let's be fair. What are we sitting here talking about today? We're talking about something that is important to you, the listener, for your financial stability, your financial well-being. And it should reinforce that when you work with a financial plan or a financial professional, financial anybody, they should be competent enough to be able to discuss all of these different things and give you the advice that you need. You yep. know, I've helped probably seven clients buy cars this year. I'm not a car wow. salesman. I don't own a car lot. I, I, you know, I have no, you know, back pocket with car companies. You're a car financer now. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. The, um, but the idea is these are all important decisions but I like buying cars because I like the challenge. I like the research. I like figuring out the appropriate price and then going down there and hassling them for it. But the point is 
you have to work with people that can help you with your financial life, not just your financial investments. All of these things are, are interlocking. They all affect you in so many different ways. So anyways, Tony, yeah. you brought up an interesting point though. You were talking about, I don't know, kind of the short-sightedness of people. So there's a couple of different terminologies in behavioral finance. One is memory bias and the other one is risk amnesia. And what these things talk about is they talk about people's quick ability to become complacent. You know, 2017 was a very complacent year for a lot of people. The market just kind of tooted along and just kind of went up and up and up and up and up. And as it was going up, people knew that their portfolios were getting, we'll say, imbalanced in a sense, because if you're mm -hmm. just in a passive, let's say your 401k was in a bunch of stocks and bonds. Well, as the stocks and things were growing, it was changing the whole dynamic of your portfolio. Maybe instead of being, you know, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, maybe all of a sudden you were 65% stocks, you know, 35%. Things change without the rebalance and the reconsideration. And I heard as people would come in, Tony, what would they say? Well, you know, let's just kind of, we're going to hold out a little longer. I had someone in here, we were talking about something for their income plan on January 23rd. You know, this is like a, this was like a fifth meeting. We've been working on all this stuff. And their comment to me was, you know what, Mike, I think I just want to wait and see where the top of the market is. It happened mm -hmm. to be like two days later, huh. but wow. <laughs> but that's how people are. They become complacent Yeah. when, you know, people love risk and volatility when it's going up. They just kind of hate it when it's going down. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. I know, that, but that's the part we don't like. So, how does this all fit in with my overall financial plan? Well, look, you know, in the accumulation phase of life, the phase of life where you're growing your money and not taking it as income, we focus on like this uh this little cycle you know, save, invest, grow, save, invest, grow. That's all we do. Every month we save, we invest it, it hopefully it grows. And we get stuck on that, that rabbit or hamster wheel rather kind of thing going around and around and around. Then one day, magically, we hit these golden retirement years where stuff is supposed to fundamentally change. Instead of growing our money, we're supposed to take our money. And so investment management is a very important piece of the puzzle. But then again, income planning to me is 10 times more important. Where are we going to take the money? What is the tax liability? How does this impact you? How long will the money last for kind of conversation? But investment management is huge, especially where we're at right now, Tony, because as we were talking about in the last segment, people have developed amnesia. They became complacent over the last couple of years with investing. You know, what's funny is I can remember in January this year, there were a number of articles and people talking and even clients would come in and stuff and everyone would talk about the 10% correction. Oh, Hey, the market's been going up for a while. We're really due. We really need this correction. And everybody says it in this like nonchalant, no big deal. Oh yeah. You know, we, we need it. You know, it's, you know, it's like a little earthquake rather have some little earthquakes and big earthquakes. And, and then all of a sudden we get our 10% correction in the end of January into February. And oh my gosh, you'd think people were going to jump out the windows. You know, all of a sudden that nonchalant attitude turned to extreme emotional exhaustion. People were, you know, wondering what they should do. Should they sell? You know, market volatility is healthy. You know how I think about the stock market, Tony? You ever, you ever been to the oh. hospital before? Well, sure. 
You ever seen someone's like heart rate thing going yeah. rrr, rrr, up and down, up and down? The EKG, yeah. Whatever, yeah. The um, isn't that kind of healthy? Like, what does a healthy heart rate look like? It goes up and down, but it just keeps tooting along, kind of thing. Right. How healthy is the heartbeat when it's going in a straight line? Mm, yeah. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> that's not good, right? Terrible. And, that, and that's what's funny is, you know, for almost a couple of years here, we kind of had a stock market going in a straight line, you know, in a lot of respects. And people viewed that as, look how awesome the stock market's doing. Look how low the volatility is. Look how great this is for my account, which are all true things. Those were all fun things to watch. But it wasn't healthy. No. That's not healthy. What's healthy is, you know, some up and down, some, you know, it goes back to like econ 101. What is the whole concept of supply and demand? There's a balance every day. People are, you know, pushing and pulling, pushing and pulling, trying to get this stuff to move in the right direction. Without that grind, the stock market just doesn't exist on a healthy plane. So what happens, though, is when things move in a straight line, people stare at it. They become complacent. That's what happened. And complacency leads generally to bad investment decisions. People think that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to change my portfolio because I just keep making money every single day. And remember, if you have the time horizon, you can take the risk. If you don't have the time horizon, if you're retiring next month, you shouldn't have all of your money in the stock market. You should have the money you need for income earmarked. You should have the money for long-term growth earmarked. There's got to be a balance. Make a there balance. has to be. And that's what you're here to do is help us balance. But we're out of time for today's show, Mike. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Yeah, Tony. So look, you know, we've talked a lot today. We were spitballing about home equity line of credits, just trying to give you a little bit of a state of the union, some of the law changes, some of the rule changes. Um, and also we've been talking about kind of this um, kind of market amnesia. People forgot that the market goes up and down. And now that we're in a market that's going up and down, Everybody is really shooken up in a sense. It's very emotional. It's very upsetting. To me, if you have a proper retirement income plan in place, these things shouldn't bother you because we, we earmark the money that we need for growth in an account that we don't need for income. Therefore, if the market's going up and down, we're okay. The money, though, that we need for income and that we desire for our cash flow, we want to be much more conservative with. So you need to create a plan. You need to have a process. You need to understand your tax liability and all these things. But if you give me a call, this is exactly what I do. It's 805-500-7035. Set up a complimentary, no-cost, free consultation. When you come in, I'm going to give you an initial cash flow analysis. We'll talk about Social Security, all these cool things. I'll give you a free copy of my new book that came out, How Your Financial Planner Failed You, which is a guide specifically on retirement income planning. But give us a call, 805-500-7035. Visit our main website, thelindgroup.com. And we'll be back the same time, same place next week. So have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Mike. Great show today. And that does it for today's episode of Financially Tuned with our host, Mike Mansfield. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Michael Mansfield at The Lind Group. Call 805-500-7035 or visit their website at financiallytunedradio.com.
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Michael Mansfield and the Lind Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. 